0: You are listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. You can always listen to the show live weekdays from 5.30 to 7 p.m. on WDEV AM and FM and streaming at WDEVradio.com. You can text in your thoughts 24-7 at 802-585-3026. That's 802-585-3026. The following is a presentation from WDEV Radio. Fast-paced. Let me stop you right there. This will always be a pro Cam Newton show. Opinionated. Hey, Tatum is phenomenal, but the end-of-game execution in the NBA is just laughable. To the point. I'm already tired of this storyline. This guy's a future patriot. This quarterback's a future patriot. That quarterback's a future patriot. Are we really going to link everybody to the Pats all offseason? Because I, I have zero interest in that. Thank you. The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. Our new text line is fully operational. We're up and running. Get your comments in. Have your voice heard. This show is yours as much as it is mine. 802-585-3026. That's 802 585 30-26. We're changing up the order of some things today because we've got a special show. Two interviews today. We don't usually do that. We don't usually do two interviews in a 90-minute show. But today, the, the guest list that we've got, worth it. Bob Soce, voice of the Patriots, his final appearance of the year. He's been with us since this show started. He's going to be with us in 15 minutes. And then ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney, Randolph Center, Vermont native. He'll join us at 6 30 get us in to some baseball i cannot wait for this show i love talking to bob i love talking to buster i love hearing from you so get on in on that text line again 585 30 26 crew let's get right to it
1: five four three two one and here
0: we go All right, my opening thoughts are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete, locally-owned home center with locations in Middlesex, St. Albans, Swanton, Enosburg, and Derby, and online at sticksandstuff.com. Cam Newton was asked yesterday by WEEI in Boston his thoughts on potentially being a backup quarterback in the NFL. Here's what Cam said.
1: Honestly, uh, it's too early to tell, and that's as honest as I could be. Do I think I have starting talent? Absolutely. Do I think a lot of things that I've done were devalued? in not the team's perspective, probably the media's perspective. Absolutely.
0: There's two major parts of that quote to unpack. Number one is his thoughts on being a starting quarterback and not wanting to be a backup. The other is his skill set being devalued by members of the media in particular. We're going to get to the latter portion at 6.05. I want to start with the former. Cam talking about not wanting to be a backup quarterback.
1: Honestly, uh, it's too early to tell, and that's as honest as I could be. Do I think I have starting talent? Absolutely. Do I think a lot of things that I've done were devalued? So,
0: yes, he says yes. He thinks so. He didn't say outright Said it's too early to tell, but later on in the interview, he said, hell no, I don't want to be a backup. If you're asking me, hell no, I don't want to be a backup. Let's start there. 802-585-3026. Does Cam Newton still have what it takes to be a starter, and do you have a problem with what he had to say? This is exactly, exactly what I expect Cam Newton to say. Okay, The off season is a selfish time. The offseason is a selfish time. So all year Cam was humble. All year Cam said and did the right things and Cam sacrificed and Cam was about the team. And now after four months of doing that, Cam has the right to talk about himself. Okay, As humble as he is, as good a teammate as he is, let's understand the mindset it takes to become a professional athlete. You have to have a belief and a confidence that is unwavering. And guys that are great, they have it, and they rarely, if ever, lose it. So I expect Cam Newton to come out and talk with that kind of conviction and with that kind of desire. Cam Newton, you have to have that alpha mentality to get to where Cam Newton has gotten. I don't think that... What he's saying shows a lack of self-awareness. I don't think it shows some kind of naivete to the situation that he's in. He knows the situation that he's in, but he thinks that he's good enough. He thinks that he's good enough because he's always been good enough. And to be a professional athlete, you have to have that kind of belief in yourself. All year, people were worried about selfish Cam. They were worried about the Cam show overtaking the Patriots. It never happened. The offseason, though, the offseason is your time as a player. The offseason is a selfish time, and that is where Cam can come and talk about himself and where he can portray that confidence. He didn't show it all year. He set his own ego aside for the sake of the team. Now, team is done. He is done. He is not a patriot right now. He can say what he wants and say what he believes, and I have zero problem with it. Do you. And when Cam says he thinks he can start in the NFL and he has starting level talent, do you blame him? When he sees Mike Glennon starting four or five games for the Jacksonville Jaguars, don't you think Cam thinks he can be better than Mike Glennon? Cam Newton won a Heisman Trophy, a national championship, an NFL MVP, and went to a Super Bowl. Don't you think Cam thinks that he can be better than Mike Glennon? And when the guy that Mike Glennon's battling with for the starting job is Gardner Minshew, a guy who played at Washington State in a non-traditional offense was a late-round draft pick who isn't all that athletic. Don't you think Cam thinks he's better than Gardner Minshew? Don't you think that he thinks he's better than Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley who started games for the Cincinnati Bengals? Heck, even Daniel Jones, who I like, who engineered one of the lowest-scoring offenses of the year, don't you think Cam thinks he's better than... Than Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, quarterback to two and fourteen team, and has been subpar for three years. Don't you think Cam? Th- Why do you blame Cam for thinking that he's an NFL starting quarterback? Look what he sees around him. When you couple his success and his resume with what he sees around the league, I mean, Brandon Allen, Ryan Finley. Colt McCoy, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold. These are guys who are starting games in the NFL. Of course, Cam is going to put his own resume up against those people. The elite, by the way, the elite athlete, I want to be careful. I don't want to say that they're excuses. But the elite athlete believes in themselves so much that they think they can explain away issues. The issues couldn't possibly be the athlete. They have to be the circumstance. And in Cam's case, I truly think he believes that also. It's part of the confidence. There are explainable reasons for his decline this year in his own mind, a lot of which I think are very valid. He signs late in the uh, in the offseason, has to learn a new offense, plays without fans, without emotion in a building, contracts COVID himself, sees injuries pile up around him, has to do things virtually, can't get to, to know his teammates on that level, Oh, and the team has a very hard schedule. Everything was working against Cam, and I think he can look at it and say, I just need things to be normal. And if things are normal and I'm in a better situation, I can be better. The elite athlete thinks that way they they find things they find ways to rationalize their performance when their performance is subpar and that's how the great ones work okay you and i we might just look at it and say you know what man we're not good enough cam newton doesn't think that tom brady doesn't think that tom brady knew he wasn't washed up last year his numbers weren't as good why let's let's explain it bad weather we played in awful weather against cleveland awful weather against dallas last year We didn't have any weapons. Edelman was banged up all year. Antonio Brown was gone. Josh Gordon got released. Gronk wasn't here. That's how a Tom Brady can look at it. They're all like that. You don't get to where they have gotten without that kind of belief. I have no problem with what Cam Newton said. I have no problem with what Cam Newton believes. The thing is, again, I think Cam is right. The question is, what's the dollar amount that you're willing to, as a front office, bank on that he's right. What's the dollar amount that this is worth? Because Cam Newton could definitely sign early. That would make him better, I think. He could definitely get a more realistic offseason. may not be fully the same as he's used to in Carolina, but it's going to be better than this offseason. Also possible to get a full amount of preseason games. Possible to play with fans. All those things that would matter. I mean, getting a ton of weapons, maybe, depending on where he is. I think Cam's right. I don't know that he's going to turn into Tom Brady. In fact, I don't think he will. But he's going to be better than this with a better situation. What's the dollar amount you are willing to give? And that's really what this comes down to. What dollar amount? Because at $4 million, heck, I'd bank on it. At $12 million, I'd go the other way. What's the dollar amount somebody wants to give Cam? Looking at the text line, Right now, uh, Watson up in Essex says, Brady, I like Cam too, and I think you're right. He'll be better in a better situation, but I still don't want him back with the Patriots because I just think the Patriots need to go in a different direction. Looking, continuing on. Uh, Nick in Plattsburgh says, Cam is done. No interest in him coming back, but he is a nice guy. I root for him to do well. Uh Big Mike up in South Burlington. Brady, what do you think about Cam going back to Washington and reuniting with Ron Rivera? I, I, I'd i have to really go back and look at how it ended with Rivera. Rivera was fired, but I have to go back and research the relationship between Cam and Rivera because on the surface, I would say, hey, Washington is a team that thinks they can get to the playoffs. Rivera, if he and Cam like each other, absolutely an opportunity for them to reunite. Now I got to look at Alex Smith's contract status again and all that, but you know, they've lost Wayne Haskins. They've lost their young quarterback. So if they're in win now mode, they want a veteran. Smith is there, Cam is there, maybe there's a competition for the job. And maybe his relationship with Rivera can can help give him some positive momentum there, but I'd really have to look at it. So, it's The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Uh, we do it every single Tuesday. Time for Hot Seat of the Week. Hot Seat of the Week. The Hot Seat of the Week right now is the Cleveland Browns. The Browns heading into their playoff matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers, their first playoff game in 18 years. They will be without head coach Kevin Stefanski and starting offensive lineman and pro bowler Joe Batonio for that wild card matchup as they are out due to COVID-19 protocol. All I can say is this. This stinks, but it is COVID football in 2020 and now into 2021. Every single year is a battle of attrition in the NFL as to who can stay the healthiest, and now it's about who can be healthy and who can avoid COVID. But what else is interesting to me is here. It feels like COVID is going to be a major storyline in terms of who wins the Super Bowl, and that, to me, really... Will question the legitimacy of of the of the potential Super Bowl champion. Let me think about this. We asked if there would be quote asterisks in other sports when it came to the champions. Would there be an asterisk in baseball? Sixty game season, Brady. Not that legitimate. We asked if there would be an asterisk in the NBA. Oh, they're playing in the bubble. No fans. You know, no travel. Eh, I don't know how I feel about it. We dissuade those notions. Because the teams that won titles, we felt were legitimate. The Dodgers were a World Series favorite in a 60-game season or a 160-game season. So when they win, we're just no asterisk. It was good with us. The Lakers were the number one seed in the Western Conference. They have LeBron James. They won the title. We're good with that. No asterisk there. But the NFL can completely risk the legitimacy of its champion, in my mind, if the coronavirus really impacts this playoffs. The Browns losing their head coach is a big deal, but they're the Browns. We didn't think they were going to win the Super Bowl. What if Patrick Mahomes is out? What if Aaron Rodgers is out? What if Russell Wilson is out? What if Drew Brees is out? Are you feeling differently about putting an asterisk on this NFL champion? I am. The NFL should have come out with some way to get some kind of modified bubble for the playoffs, at least on a team-by-team basis, in their own cities. I mean, because you are exposing these players to normal communities and normal transmission, and you're compromising the legitimacy of your season as a whole and, oh, by the way, jeopardizing player and coach safety and team personnel safety. But with the football specifically, I absolutely am thinking now that COVID will play an impact in who wins the Super Bowl. I don't want it to, but I think that it will. It didn't impact the NBA They did a great job with the bubble. It didn't impact baseball. A team we feel legitimate about won the World Series. The Dodgers won it. The Rays we knew were good. The Yankees were in the playoffs. By and large, the teams that we expected to be good were good, and the teams we expected to be bad were bad. Maybe, maybe the Blue Jays benefited from the 60-game season. But by and large, good teams were good. In the NFL, good teams have been good, but... What happens if the coronavirus hits in a way that it didn't hit in those other sports? I'm absolutely uh, thinking it could happen, and yeah, there I may view the champion differently in the NFL than I viewed them in any of the other sports, hockey included. I mean, hockey got a legitimate champion also as uh, Tampa Bay won. So we will uh, we will see what happens, but not good news for the Cleveland Browns. So it's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Uh, show brought to you by the all-new Preston's Kia in Montpelier, home of lifetime oil changes and state inspections. Preston's Kia, family-owned and operated, and they will do whatever it takes to earn and keep your business. All right, coming up next, I said yesterday that I thought the development of Jacoby Myers was the Patriots' biggest positive in 2020. What does Bob Sosie think? The voice of the Pats joins us for his final talk of the year. His final talk of the year. Hard to believe. That's coming up next on the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV. The man who's called three Super Bowl championships.
2: Toss sweep right for James White. Tucks it the right.
0: The man who can take us closer to the action than anyone else.
2: Brady throws it to the end zone for Ken Brown Tompkins, leaping. He it! He's He's done.
1: Done. He it
0: It's the voice of the Patriots, Bob Sosi, on The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. Welcome back. It's The Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio.com. Patriots season over, continuing. To put some final bows on that, Buster Only of ESPN. Going to stop by uh, in about uh, 45 minutes or so, talk a little baseball with us. But continuing on with our Patriots talk for the final time this year, it's hard to believe, Bob Sosi, the voice of the Pats. You can hear him all season long right here on WDEV. And I'm already looking forward to Bob and Zoe in 2021. So, Bob, how are you? I'm good,
2: Brady, and I, too, am already looking forward to the 2021 season. Although I, I will enjoy a little downtime here the next couple of weeks not that it's been an overly taxing year <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nor is any other season for me with what I do calling play-by-play let's face it just talking about football <laughs> it's, it's, it's not really a, a burden I carry uh, certainly uh, you know I, it, it, it beats working for a living for sure but uh, I really can't wait for next year already
0: well end of the year uh, news and notes time Pat's finished seven and nine they you know we know the story. They weren't good offensively. The defense took a step back. A bunch of injuries. Um, the the post game and the Monday after commentary. Cam Newton with some interesting comments. Bill Belichick, um, you know, kind of shooting down talk of the future. I guess. What was your read on what came out of Foxborough in the last forty eight hours?
2: Well, I think that one regarding the quarterback position. I think the Patriots are going to keep all their options open, and it's not surprising that Bill Belichick. Uh, regardless of, of, uh, how credible the report was or whether it was a report or was not a report by Adam Schefter uh, before Sunday's game regarding the Patriots and Cam Newton and their future, whether it includes one another uh, tied together. It wasn't surprising for me after the game to hear Bill's remarks, nor to hear the way Cam reacted in his local radio show here on the Boston Marketplace on Monday and immediately after the game. I think that this team, players, there's a sense that there are going to be a lot of changes. I think you're going to see the Patriots be aggressive. I think that's the one thing that said signal to me is that uh, you know a lot of people may be viewing some of the comments today like they did during the season as quote-unquote excuses uh, and and deflecting blame but I I look at them as well as a what other people think, and I don't necessarily agree with with that that line of thought totally. I think that you know, I think there are there is validity to to a lot of that, and I also think that it's a signal too that this team will be aggressive. And every everything about the past for uh, the Patriots as an organization under the Crafts as owners and Belichick as a head coach uh, say I think to us what leaders like Matthew Slater and some of the other captains said during the week as well. And, and I'll point to the words of Slater specifically. He said, the one thing about this organization, it's never going to settle for a season like this. And to stick with us in his message to the fans, apologizing for the kind of year the Patriots had he said, we'll keep fighting. And I think the Patriots uh, certainly will be aggressive this off season. Does that mean showering the top of the market free agents with boatloads of cash? and just going on a spending spree, not necessarily, but I I do think that they're going to be aggressive in terms of making moves that definitely will upgrade at positions of need.
0: You know, you talk about change coming to the roster. I think we all assume that, but there could be change coming in kind of the power structure of the Patriots. Nick Casario is a guy who's been courted by Carolina and I think Houston and on him again, this off season, excuse me, Josh McDaniels, um, you know, has been linked to Houston and Los Angeles for the Chargers opening, do you think that we will see one or both of those guys potentially leave? Well, there's always a possibility,
2: and that's been, as you suggest, a, a possibility every offseason for this team. And it's been really the reality for the Patriots. Ever since, frankly, Scott Pioli uh, was among the first and Thomas Dimitrov, as well, of the Belichick lieutenants to go out and, and take over front offices elsewhere and eventually move to the coaching sidelines. I and mean, we have seen it year after year after year. Just this past offseason alone, the Patriots had a number of moves on their coaching staff, and they've had moves within their front office structure. Last spring was it after the yep. draft, leaving the Patriots to take another position outside the organization. So I look at you know the situation with Casario and McDaniels a bit differently than some here. I, I think you know, certainly there's interest in them as there has been with good reason. And maybe if you're Nick Casario, this is the opportunity, though he did get an upgrade last year uh, and and apparently the scope of responsibilities were widened, broadened a bit. I think in Josh McDaniel's case, as much as Josh has been mentioned in the past with a lot of coaching jobs and obviously had the opportunity with Indianapolis right now, I, I wonder if there are a number of candidates who have shot past him in the last year or so mm-hmm. to the, to the top of the lists of the people who have vacancies. When you consider you know, somebody like Arthur Smith, for example, yeah. the play caller in Tennessee, the run the Titans had last year in the postseason and the season they've had this year, the performance by Ryan Tannehill, well, suddenly he's a hot coaching commodity. In addition to the Eric Bienemis and the Robert Salas and yeah. some of the other names that we've heard over the last couple of seasons. And then you throw into the mix some coaches like Josh's contemporary, longtime friend going back to their days on uh, Nick Saban staff at Michigan state, like a Brian Dayball, yep. you know, a former Patriot assistant. He was the tight ends coach when I started calling the games and Josh was the offensive coordinator, but Brian right now is a hot name because of the performance of Josh Allen and the way the bills have played uh, over the course of this season, particularly Allen during his career. And then Brady, the other part of it too, is what coaches from the college ranks, what coaches out of retirement like an urban Meyer, you know, will appeal to organizations if, for example, Dave Caldwell stays at Jacksonville as the general manager or in some capacity, a lot of people say, well, he'd he he he'd be a natural link for a Josh McDaniels because of the John Carroll connection. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's Urban Meyer who goes to Jacksonville, you know, you're not going to see that because right, you know, Caldwell right. may be out of a job anyway. Uh, and same thing with Tom Telesco in, in Los Angeles. He's got strong ties from high school with Brian Dable. Just because he's a John Carroll grad doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to hire – a John Carroll grad. Again, he's coming off a a year when the Patriots had one of the least productive offenses in a season that was the most productive offensive season in NFL history.
0: Bob Sosi, voice of the Patriots with us here on the Brady Farkas show, WDEV AM and FM and WDEV radio.com. I played this game yesterday on the show. I'm going to ask you the question. Now, fill, fill in the blank here. The biggest positive from the Patriots season was what? I think the I think
2: the way that the, the young players continue to compete, and I know a lot of people look at it today, and some see it as a failure. Some say they don't have much to build around. I do see it a bit differently. I think they have enormous voids at some critical spots and they have the most important question to solve. But there's no doubt about that. But to me, I think through all the circumstances, you know, the fact that you know th- this team by the end of the season, and maybe a lot of people wanted to see this Patriots not compete as as well in that final game and improve their their draft yeah. positioning, or even the second half of the season uh, as, as a consistent theme. But I, I I just think that you know there was a point in time when I really wondered, and it was probably during the San Francisco game, like many uh, about that compete level for some of yeah. the guys on that team. And I'm glad to see that they responded positively thereafter. And I think that there's some coachable young players on this team who gained more experiences the year went along, like Kyle Duggar. I think Josh Uche is a linebacker who could figure prominently in their plans next year. I think Chase Winovich, uh, the effort he continued to give, even when his playing time varied, and people on the outside were wondering, why isn't he playing more? Well, Winovich, in the Patriots system, of course, now has to work to develop into a three-down player. But at least in his role down the stretch, he was continuing to play hard, had the two sacks against the Jets, positive note uh, to end on. And as far as the offensive line goes, the offense goes, I look to the offensive line, Michael Ouenu, uh, Justin Huron. At least now you have a little bit of insurance because you have a lot of questions. When we talk about free agent spending and cap room for this team, and it goes back to the original uh, point that I was making about the Patriots and maybe not going on a spending spree, they got a lot of players they've got to look to retain yeah. in addition
0: to those they want to go out and acquire. True. Hey, Bob, I gotta say it's been a pleasure having you on this show. It's been a pleasure of bringing you and the broadcast over to WDEV this year about the midpoint of the season. There was a point the other day, Like I knew it was week 17. There was a point the other day in the broadcast where you and Zoe were talking about Bewitched and I Dream of Genie, And I was just dying at that point. So you guys were, uh, you know, you guys were awesome to listen to. And uh You know, always loved the storytelling and Zoe's insight as a former player and the access that you guys provide. And even in in a weird year listening to you guys, uh, it certainly felt normal. I appreciate that,
2: Brady. We tried to make it as normal as possible, even when we were calling the road games from our booth at Gillette Stadium. I I love what we do. I love what, you know, where we do it and for whom we do it. And I say that all the time, and it it sounds like it's a canned answer, but it's truly how I feel. Uh, You know, even in the game on Sunday – it's the last game of the season. Let's not take this opportunity for granted. And that was my attitude, just like the players. You know, I think you, you hear a lot of players talk about, hey, play like it could be your last game. And I think you have to broadcast the same way. And as far as uh, the conversations <laughs> go during the game and in, in, in filling time, you know, unfortunately there's not as much time in a football game, even in a lopsided football game, yeah. because we have very, uh, very limited downtime coming back from a commercial break or in between plays to, to talk about old TV shows <laughs> from our youth in the 70s. But, you know, it, it is fun when we do get a chance to engage in that. I hope we don't have as much of that next year, unless it's the Patriots who are well out in front, yeah. as was the case uh, by the time I think we got in. DiGerima Machini switched <laughs> on Sunday. You know, that's one thing about with Zoe, too. I, you know, I never know where he's going to go, yeah. or what he's going <laughs> to come up with. I mean, we're in the middle of a a sequence where I think the Patriots stop the Jets, and the Jets punting unit goes out there, and all of a sudden he, he says that our producer uh, thinks he's nuts for having his Christmas tree still up. And I, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. Wow. You guys were great. We're pumped uh, that you're part of the WDEV family. Now, again, looking forward to 2021 already. And Bob, we're certainly uh, very grateful for your time on this show. One of our favorite segments that, uh, that I do, one of our favorite segments of our listeners. So we appreciate having you on and uh, I see you've got a switchback brewery this hat hurts. on. So, We're looking forward to a chance for you to come to Vermont because, let's see, you were having some foam beer at one point I saw on social media, switchback hat. So once you start playing golf and going skiing here in Vermont, (laughs) you're going to be a true Vermonter. So we look forward to that day. So, Bob, thank you for all your time this year.
2: I look forward to it, and I do appreciate uh, the fine folks and their fine brew from Switchback and Foam, and uh, as well, Brady. Appreciate the time to spend with you. You do a great job. I've always enjoyed our conversations. I look forward to more of the same.
0: Yeah, definitely me as well. Bob Soce, uh, with us every single week that we did. The, you know that we started this show back on October 26th. Bob's been with us since day one. Plenty to digest with Bob. So we'll get to our takeaways after the news break from CBS. But also, Cam Newton says his talent has been devalued is he right on that? That's next on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com You're listening to the Brady Farkas Show podcast brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Middlesex, St. Albans, Swanton, Enosburg, and Derby and online always at sticksandstuff.com Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM and WDEVradio.com All right, welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Buster only of ESPN. will stop by in 25 minutes. Bob Sosie, the Patriots broadcaster, just stopped by. We'll get into our takeaways there. Reminder to subscribe to the full show podcast. It's thanks to Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber. The text line number is 802-585-3026. So keep them coming on in. You guys have been great in the first week of our text line. So we'll get to Bob Sosie takeaways. In a little while, but uh, first, Cam Newton says the media, especially, has devalued his talents. He is right to say that. And you know, okay, if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know I am media defender guy. My family was in media. My girlfriend was in media. I'm in media. My brother's in media. Everyone in my life that's immediately in my life is in media or has been in media. I defend the media almost at all costs. But when Cam Newton says the media has devalued his talents, he is right. Listen to the middle of this soundbite.
1: Honestly, uh, it's too early to tell. And that's as honest as I could be. Do I think I have starting talent? Absolutely. Do I think a lot of things that I've done were devalued in not the team's perspective, probably the media's perspective? Absolutely.
0: Cam is right. He says that the teams value his contributions and skill set, but the media doesn't. I do have one major question. I'm acknowledging Cam's right, but I do have one major question. Is he talking about this year only, or is he also talking about his time in Carolina? Is he talking about his career or just a one-year thing? So does he think the New England media was against him or the, the media in general, the national media too, this year against him through his time in New England? That's my one question. But that said, Cam Newton is right. Let's be honest. The, the media in sports radio falls into a couple of different categories. First, you have media members that are truly just fans. They are just, they, they call themselves, these are the people they have in their Twitter bio, fan with a microphone. They want to be the mouthpiece of the fans. Okay? They go into games with a rooting interest. And those media members don't care that Cam is a nice guy or that Cam gets along with his teammates or that Cam is good with charity. They don't care. All they care about is productivity. So they just want to shred Cam's performance and they're not willing or not capable of looking deeper. And they're not capable or willing to realize there's more, you know, there's more to it than just the statistical productivity and the wins and losses. Okay. Those, those media members with a microphone who claim that they are just fans, those guys, those women, just want to judge the stats, the passer rating, the yards per play, all of the above. Those media members will devalue what Cam does well and what Cam did well this year because what Cam did well this year was non-traditional quarterbacking as far as running the football, but also be a leader be an inspiration, be a good guy, good teammate, etc. The average fan, the media member who claims to be the voice of the average fan, does not care. Cam is right that in that case the media would get on him. Two, there's also media members that go into a season with an agenda. I generally don't believe that overall the media is biased, but news media is different than sports media. Sports media... There is real bias there, and it's really, really tangible. In some cases, the agenda that media members have is being simply anti-fans or anti-teams. So ever since I've gotten into the business, okay, I got into this business in very early of 2014. So I'm at almost my seven-year anniversary of my first job in, in radio, my first job in sports radio, almost seven years I've been in this business. And for the entirety of my seven years, sports media has been centered on conflict. It's been centered around creating conflict and creating debate and creating not so much even anger, although sometimes that's there, but about creating reaction. And the way you get reaction is with strong opinion and strong opinions that fight each other. And when fans are fans, and often they're a bunch of pom-pom waivers, there are media members that get off on generating conflict and friction with the fans. So if a fan defends Cam or defends Cam style of play, then you're going to see media members who have an agenda to shred the fans and shred Cam because that is what creates the conflict, and that is what they're looking for. They like creating friction. So, again, when fans say they like Cam or when other media members say they like Cam, these some media members choose to go on the attack because that conflict is simply good for business. Then there's a whole other subset of the media, just comparison media guy. Comparison media guy. That guy just looks around, and all he wants to do, all she wants to do, is talk about rankings and power rankings and to create lists. So that guy's going to point out that Cam isn't, Karen Ro- isn't Aaron Rodgers or isn't Mahomes or isn't Russell Wilson or Josh Allen or any quarterback that you perceive to be good. And that's where the conflict will come. We're going to create lists and we're going to fight over them. Those guys, those women will also devalue Cam because what he does this year, what he did this year, did not show up on the stat sheet as much as we would like it to. That is true. And then you have what I hope I am and the text lines open 802-585-3026. You have the group that I hope I fall into, that I want to fall into media members that want to be smart. I'm not really a yeller. I can't do the Stephen, a, uh, fighting thing for very long. That's not me. It's just not my personality. I'm also not a stand-up comic, so I'm not just going to come here and, and make fun of people for 90 minutes. I try, and I hope it comes off, to do a lot of research and to come in with an an opinion that is educated based on my research. My, my My opinion may not always be right, and it may not jive with what you think, and that's fine. But I try to at least give you an informed opinion that's not just based out of emotion, which is what a lot of fans do. So my research and studying tells me that offense is the way to win in the NFL and the Patriots don't have a great offense. So we start talking about ways to upgrade the offense and try to figure out how to do it. So we're always talking about what can be done next. And also, so Cam gets kind of people, the smart media member will say, oh, hey, Cam wasn't that great. Let's see what else is out there. Well, this guy's there. What can we get here? Okay, we got to improve that spot. The smart media member also, and I do this, looks at money okay they're looking at investment like i love cam at 1 million dollars i'd love him at 4 million dollars i'd probably welcome him back at 7 but if you're talking at 10 then we're in a different a different conversation in a different wavelength so media members who read things like cam's gonna make 20 million next year they're going to crush that and i would also i would not give cam newton 20 million dollars i would not give cam newton 10 million dollars but if it's Four with some incentives, yes, I would do that. And I would bring him back because cost valuation appears positive there for me. I try to be fair with Cam. I recognize his shortcomings. I try to recognize the situation that he's in. I think he can be better next year if some of those things get rectified. I also have what I think is a realistic expectation for the Patriots. So when the pom-pom-waving fan says that they expect the Patriots to win the Super Bowl, even when Tom Brady's gone. I never bought that. So what I saw this year was largely what I expected, an average football team. Yeah, it ended, you know, it, 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 we got to that point in a different way. I mean, they could have gone 7-9 and Cam through 24 touchdowns and threw 28 picks, and it would have been more fun to watch in terms of him passing, but we would have ended up in the exact same spot. This is where I expected the Patriots to be. I do value different things. I think I value him being a good teammate, him saying the right things, him handling the media well, him growing as a person. I, I value all of that. So I think I'm I'm more fair with Cam than what he is saying the media is, but I think the media in general has been rough on Cam. It's Brady Farkas show on WDEV. I mean, the media wants you to look like a traditional quarterback. The media sees, like I said, comparison guy, Rodgers, Wilson, Mahomes, Allen, they throw the ball all over the field, and it's like if you can't do that, you can't be any good, and that's what Cam is saying. I think the media absolutely has a hand in that. I just try not to be that media member because I do value some different things, and I had a different set of expectations. So, Brady Farkas Show, WDEV AM and FM, and WDEVRadio.com. We'll get to our Bob Sausey takeaways here in a sec. We're about 15 minutes away from Buster Olney of ESPN. But before we get to the Bob takeaways, I just want to mention a quick note on him. Bob Soce is the voice of the New England Patriots. He has called three Super Bowl championships. And I don't want to go too inside radio here, but Bob came on with us every week for free. For free. Bob made himself available at 545 every Tuesday. When he's got a family, he's got kids, he wants to unwind from a busy Patriots weekend or a Monday night game in two cases since we came on the air this year. And Bob Sosti made time for WDEV here in Waterbury, Vermont. Bob is just one of the good guys. Okay, Again, not to get too deep inside radio, but usually someone in Bob's position would get paid. You You would pay them to come on with you every week. But Bob recognized that we were a new show and a new Patriots affiliate, and he wanted to come on and be a part of it. And he likes Vermont, and he wanted to to, to talk to the people of Vermont and New Hampshire and New York too. And Bob and I have a good relationship, and, and that might have helped, but Bob came on for free. And I just think you know that Bob provided us a lot of content this year, and I'm sure he'll continue to provide us content throughout the offseason in various spots, but he came on every week with us. Appointment listening, 545 every Tuesday, and he did it for free. And to tell you how rare that like is, I've worked at other stations where you had to pay your insiders and had to pay them a lot of money. I won't drop names here, but I used to talk to one insider. $250 a week for 10 minutes. They came on every week of the respective season. It was $250 a week for that 10 minutes. I mean, it was great content, and it wasn't coming out of my wallet, so I didn't care. But that's what people in Bob's position get paid. I had another guy I tried to get on weekly at another place. $300 a week he wanted. So for Bob Soce to come on free, I I just think that uh, that that's cool of him, and I wanted you guys to know that, that that's the kind of guy, whether you like the Patriots or don't like the Patriots, that's the kind of guy who is the voice of the Patriots, so. Uh, as for what Bob told us today, our biggest Bob Sosi takeaway is here on the Pat's upcoming off season.
2: I think the Patriots uh, certainly will be aggressive this off season. Does that mean showering the top of the market free agents with boatloads of cash and just going on a spending spree? Not necessarily, but I do, I do think that they're going to be aggressive in terms of making moves that definitely will upgrade at positions of need.
0: Uh, Before I get to my reaction on that couple of texts coming in, Mark in South Hero says that, uh, wow, Brady, I didn't know you had to pay some people to come on sometimes. Really cool that Bob was willing to do it for free. We get one from uh, Jack in... Claremont, New Hampshire, who says, love listening to Bob Soce, love Zoe also. Those guys are great. They made a tough record-wise season. Very enjoyable to listen to. Glad that WDEV is able to get Bob on. Uh, Bill up in Swanton says, love Bob. His insight is always appreciated from this Pats fan. And, uh, you know, let's see here. I got one from uh, Dan Ronda. And one more, that one's coming in. Okay, that's from Patty, who really want to know who wanted $300 a week. I will not tell that. So, uh, as for Bob, Bob says he thinks the Patriots will be very aggressive this offseason. This one is very layered and complex to me. First, yes, at its core, I agree the Patriots will be aggressive. I think they'll be more diligent than ever in studying the draft and bringing in players from other organizations who are cut. They signed 10 players to Futures contract. I think they're going to take flyers. I think they will uncover every nook and cranny that they can to find talent. A roster that was devoid of talent. Can they find another Jacoby Myers, another Dion Lewis, another um, you know, J.C. Jackson who was undrafted? Can they find more people like that? I think they will be hyper diligent in trying to do that. I think they can be aggressive in the trade market. I don't know exactly how it will manifest itself. Maybe it's trading Stephon Gilmore. Maybe it's doing draft day deals. But I think they will be on the phones calling people. And in free agency, I think they'll be connected to a lot of names. I don't think, obviously, that Bill Belichick is coaching for his job. I don't believe that. I mean, anybody who says that... Doesn't understand the body of work or the, the the leash that 20 years and nine Super Bowl appearances get you. But I do think he feels the heat to get things turned around and at least show progress in a direction. we talked about yesterday that the Pats don't really have a direction. I think he feels the pressure to at least restore the Patriots back to a team that can compete for a playoff berth. So I think he's going to be. I think the Pats are going to be connected to a lot of people. But my big question is this. Are the Patriots an appealing destination right now? For free agents specifically, right? Trade market, no one has a choice. Draft Market, no one has a choice, choice. But for free agents in particular, are the Pats an attractive situation? For me, they're not that appealing. Are the Patriots appealing? 585-3026. For me, not really. Look at the situation they're in. It's an organization that just went 7 and 9. That doesn't historically pay top of them top top dollar, top of the market. So if you're a guy who is simply looking to command the most money, New England isn't historically the place for you. So if you're in this if you're in this to get paid this off season, New England hasn't historically been for you. We also don't know who the quarterback is. If the team brings back Cam Newton, what wide receiver is rushing to play with Cam Newton now? I would argue none of the top ones. Zero of the top ones. As much as people like Cam, no free agent is rushing here to to sign up to play in an offense where he's going to have to block 42 times a game. Allen Robinson isn't coming here to catch 48 passes and block 40 times a game. He's not doing it. Neither is Will, Phil- Will Fuller or Kenny Galladay. It's just not happening. your big play expensive wideouts are not going to be intrigued by Cam being back as much as they might like him, they won't get theirs. And by the way, if you're not bringing Cam back, you got to sign a quarterback early in free agency and by the time you've signed him other top guys might be gone so the timing might not even work out. I mean so that lack of direction that lack of forward thinking is going to hurt the Patriots this year in the free agent Market. If they bring Cam back, slim Pickens, I bet, of people that are interested in playing with him, especially at receiver or tight end. And if you don't bring him back, well, how are you able to get another quarterback and use that quarterback to entice other pieces and get those other pieces assigned and all do it in the span of like a day? The top receivers, top tight ends, are going to sign day one. You don't have four weeks to wait. So then there's this point. Freddie Coleman of ESPN Radio talked about this last week with us. I asked him this question a week ago. Here's what Freddie Coleman answered.
1: More than ever before, if you're Bill Belichick, you got to hit on guys. you got to hit on playmakers, especially offensively, whether it's the NFL draft or free agency, without Tom Brady being there because that was the caveat, and that's nothing against Bill Belichick. But players want to play with guys that they really enjoy playing with, or if you get a chance to play for an Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, you know what kind of coach you're getting into. Bill Belichick is still an old-school dude in a new-school way when it comes to the 21st century. But that doesn't mean that he's an attractive piece for free agents out there.
0: Is Bill Belichick a draw or a detriment when it comes to free agency? I agree 100% with Freddie. Brady was the draw. I don't think Belichick is a detriment, but Belichick was not the draw. Brady and Belichick together were the draw. Brady was well-respected by his peers, good teammate, dedicated to winning, habitual winner. The draw of Belichick was that Brady was there. That was the important thing. That was always the important thing. I agree 100% with Freddie. I mean, mean, without Brady, Belichick is just a crotchety, almost 70-year-old coach who has a great resume, but... Those players are looking at it like, what are you doing for me now? And right now, are we set up in a position to win? Because you're either going to pay me a ton, or you're going to set me up in a position to win championships. And right now, the Patriots aren't really positioned to do either. Patriots need so much help. I don't know if they're going sp- to spend top dollar because they got a lot of places to spend money on. I don't, right now, think the Patriots are an attractive spot for free agents. And Cam... Is at least has the personality that could maybe attract people, and he's not under contract either. So this lack of direction, this lack of star power to draw you to New England, that is a very real concern that I have going into this offseason. The the Pats have been historically really, really good, obviously. But Brady being there tied it all together to keep – attracting people who want to win. And right now, we don't we don't have that. Buster Olney of ESPN is going to stop by in a couple of minutes. It's Brady Farkas show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Switching some things around today because we got Buster. So uh, let me get to uh, this makes me want to drink. We do this every single Tuesday. This weekend is over. I thought it was time to stop drinking. I'm kind of beat. <laughs> Thank God I'm exhausted. But after seeing this, I better crack open another. It's time for This Makes Me Want to Drink. Yeah, this is going to make me want to crack open not just one beer, but an entire six-pack. I mean, my goodness. So here we go. This is on WEEI in Boston. This could have been crazy Twitter takes. This could have been anything. But I put it in This Makes Me Want to Drink because it's that egregious to me. So uh, there was a writer, Nick Stevens at WEI, who said he thinks that Cam Newton could come back to the Patriots next year if this happens, and the this is he wants to come back in a Taysom Hill type role. Okay, he so the right Nick Stevens says he can run, throw, and catch. He can run, throw, and catch if he's willing to be a Taysom Hill type that can be how he stays in the NFL and how he stays with the Patriots. This is unbelievably laughable to me. This is unbelievably laughable to me. Taysom Hill, look, I am no Taysom Hill fan. I think the media showers this guy with way too much praise. But Taysom Hill is a guy who does a little bit of everything. Okay, Taysom Hill is the protector on punts Taysom hill is is acting as a gunner on kickoff coverage can we really see cam newton on kickoff coverage because i can't cam newton is telling you by the way he wants to be a quarterback
1: i know what my skill set is i know what my talent is i understand that if given the opportunity there is nobody better than me that's how i will always feel
0: he will always feel that way. Cam Newton does not want to be a punt protector and does not want to just uh, go cover kicks. Like, if that's what it would come to, Cam should just retire. Cam has no interest in that. That is ridiculous to me. That is why it makes me want to drink. Okay? Yes. it's This is lazy journalism. Cam can run in short yardage. He had 12 touchdowns. He's clearly an asset there. But do you think Cam signing up To block? Do you think Cam is signing up to punt protect? I don't. Okay, if Cam is only an asset on short yardage running situations, I better be able to find a running back or a fullback or somebody else that can do that. That can also do the other things. I don't have if that's all Cam can do. I don't have interest in Cam being here either. At that rate, he's telling you he wants to be a quarterback, and only time will tell if Cam is right. But Taysom Hill has been willing to do that stuff. And you know what? Even Taysom Hill now is tired of it. He Taysom Hill doesn't want to do the Taysom Hill role. He hasn't been a quarterback in like five years, and he wants to be one now. I don't think Cam all of a sudden is signing up for a demotion the other way and embracing it. Taysom Hill wants out of that role. Cam's not going to want to go into that role. There's this, first off, can you see Cam coming back in a Taysom Hill type role? 802-585-3026. We did have the texter yesterday who asked if Cam could be a running back, and my answer to that was no because Cam would want to you know, block and come out of the backfield and all that. That's not for Cam. He wants to be a quarterback. There's this attitude of people that are like, hey, if Cam wants to play football, he'll do whatever it takes to stay on the field. That is BS. That is garbage, and you know that that's not true. Think about your own life. Think about your own career. There's an episode of Friends I was watching recently. Rachel, she wanted to be in fashion, right? She eventually worked for some designer and she worked at Bloomingdale's, Ralph Lauren, et cetera. But before she got to all that on the show, she really wanted a job in fashion. So she took a job, like running coffee for a guy, who, for like a 75 year old who was involved in fashion and she hated it. And her quote was, Why would somebody stay in such a demeaning job just because it's remotely related to their field? And the answer is most people wouldn't. If they're not doing something directly related to what they love, they're not interested. Let me paint this picture for you. When WDEV hired me, they knew I wanted to to do a sports show. They knew that. And they gave me the opportunity to do that. And I also... Wanted to learn some new things, so I willingly said, I will do the news, because I would like to do the news also, and you needed somebody to do the news, and it just all worked out. If some radio station said, hey, Brady, you're not going to do the sports show, but we're going to have you host a country music show, I would have no interest in that. I don't like country music. I don't want to do country music. I don't know what it takes to be a music DJ. If WDEV said, hey, Brady, no sports show for you, but we got this new rock show for you. I'd have a really hard time being interested in doing it. And that's how Cam feels. He wants to be a quarterback. Don't just give me this garbage where, hey, if he wants to play football, he'll just, he'll do whatever it takes. You wouldn't do it, neither would I. Do you think that the doctor who was making six figures is rushing to become the high school nurse? It's all medicine. Yeah, but not the medicine that I want to do. Do you think that the gourmet chef who's worked at five-star restaurants, is signing up to become the person who who makes the food at the high school cafeteria. I don't think so. Like, yeah, there's money involved, and that might drive it for a bit, and then you'll hate it. And then you'll want to leave as soon as the next good thing comes along. Cam Newton, th- like, that's not how this works. Cam wants to be a quarterback. Don't give me this nonsense about him coming back to the Patriots as a punt protector and a gunner on kickoff coverage. I mean, my goodness. okay, my parents are both professional journalists. My dad has, you know, helped papers win awards and has been really good and worked at some really good places. Hey, Dad, uh, you love journalism. you You used to do this. How about you come and, uh, you know, be the school paper advisor? I don't think so. I think i'll I think I'll stop. I think I'll get out of the business at that point. Cam, I'm sure would rather retire then do what this guy from WEEI is suggesting it's just lazy it's off season fodder usually we get that kind of nonsense in like may don't bring that to me on on December on the january 5th it's 2 days after the season ended don't bring me garbage ideas like that. It's the Brady Farkas show on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVRadio.com. Rick in Montpelier says, Brady, uh, I can't. I'm gonna have to go find that article. That sounds laughable. I get why Cam wants to be a quarterback. I wish him luck. Hopefully, he finds it. Uh, uh, let's see. Jackson in also in Montpelier says, Brady, 100% right on. Don't think that Cam would have any interest in doing something like that. But on the other side, I do see one from Derek in um, Rutland Town who says, hey, Cam's career might be over. If he doesn't want it to end, he better do whatever it takes and play for whatever they want to pay him. So he actually agrees with Nick Stevens over at WEI. I do not. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. All right. I am footballed out for a bit. Let's go to some baseball next. ESPN MLB Insider, Vermont native, Buster Olney. He's about to stop by. What is the Red Sox plan this offseason? That's next right here on the Friendly Pioneer of WDEV. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. Welcome back. to the Brady Farkas Show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV Radio. As we transition out of football season, sadly, because the Patriots didn't make the playoffs, it does bring me happiness to start talking a little baseball. Spring training is hopefully around the corner. And to talk about it with us, nobody better than Vermont native Randolph Center. Don't say Randolph. Randolph Center native. Buster only at ESPN. Buster, happy New Year. How are you? I'm
3: doing great. And great to talk to you at WDEV. That's the station I listen to uh, every single day. Uh, you know, growing up, at seven fifteen, uh, they had they gave the, the baseball scores from the night before, and the big question was, would the school bus arrive first, or could I hear the scores first? <laughs> I so I, I'm a loyal listener of WDEV.
0: Well, we're glad to have you on. We're an ESPN affiliate, so we're happy maybe to uh, you know continue our partnership and be able to talk more down the road. I was going to say, I had a feeling you probably grew up listening to WDEV in Central Vermont.
3: Oh yeah, well I, I always people ask me all the time, like who was the the person that I met in baseball that I was most excited to 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 meet, and it was Ned Martin, the longtime Red Sox announcer uh, in spring training of 1990. Uh, I saw him and I was like, oh, my God, that's who I listen to on Red Sox broadcasts on WDEV uh, every day. Uh, I wasn't a Red Sox fan, but I learned so much baseball from Ned Martin and Jim Woods growing up.
0: How often do you make it back to Vermont in a normal non-pandemic year?
3: Boy, um, I, I want to say five or six times during the course of the year. I'm going to be doing more this winter because I, I, I haven't skied since I was a kid. Um, you know, once my folks bought the dairy farm in, in Randolph Center, we basically stopped skiing after uh, about the time I was nine years old. And this winter, I picked up cross country skiing again. And so I'm, I'm planning on going up there as much as possible and actually going back to the farm to, to, to hoof around there and go skiing.
0: Well, it always gives people a good. Um a good smile whenever you're on ESPN or on a radio appearance and you say, I'd like to bet the family farm back in Randolph center that this will happen. People really enjoy hearing the Vermont reference. Well, and that's,
3: uh, you know, and I certainly play to that a little bit too. Um, and it's so funny because I've had uh, two or three hosts who will say, wait, you, you weren't right. So you got to give up the farm. <laughs> like nobody took the bet. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm very fortunate no one seems to take the bet on me.
0: Do you meet very many Vermonters in baseball? I mean, there are a few, but not many, I'd imagine.
3: No, um, in fact, one of my favorite stories was uh, Derek Barton. Yeah, uh, you know, longtime first baseman was born in Springfield, if I remember correctly. Yes. and and I saw that on his bio, and I like made a point of going up to him and and be hey Derek, guess what? You know, I I, I grew up in central Vermont. I know you were born there. He looked at me, and said, "Yeah, we moved away when I was a kid. I didn't know anything about it." <laughs> he couldn't have been less enthusiastic than he was. Uh, and Carlton Fisk. For me, is always someone who uh, is near and dear to my heart because, of course, he was born in Vermont. He would tell you he grew up in New Hampshire, uh, but his uh, where he, where he grew up was close to a sporting goods store that my uncle owned. And my uncle Bob would always say that he sold Carl Fisk his first catcher's mitt when he was a kid. Mm. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but it's a really good family story.
0: That is a great story. Buster Olney of ESPN with us here on the Brady Farkas show, WDEV AM and FM and WDEV I want to transition now to, you know, to some major leagues talk. Um, I said at the outset that hopefully spring training is around the corner. We seem to be locked in what appears to be another battle coming between players and owners about when the season is actually going to start. What's your early read on when spring training may actually begin.
3: I'm really concerned, um, really concerned, especially as we get word that uh, the rollout of the, of the coronavirus vaccine is not going smoothly uh, because I think that's information that baseball owners are watching the longer and, and, and the more difficult that that process is, the more likely that you're going to have, uh, you know, games play without fans in the stands and more likely that the owners are going to ask the players for rollbacks with salaries, and we saw how that went last year. Um, I I uh, first off, I, I think it's uh, it's not a done deal that spring training won't start on time, but I would bet the family farm back at Randolph Center that spring training will not start on time. Um, and I'm, I'm really concerned about the two sides being able to negotiate a deal to start up. If you told me that you know the, the significant portion of the season was lost, whether it's 40 games or half the season or 100 games, it wouldn't surprise me uh, because the, the, the lack of a productive working relationship between these two sides has been so acute it's the worst i've seen in my 32 years of covering pro ball
0: i I don't know who i think is right in this situation but i do think the players have a point when they say hey we made it through last year with all of these protocols and we showed that we could do it so i understand why they think hey we can go to spring training on time and start the season on time and you know when fans can come fans can come i i guess i see their point there buster
3: Well, you definitely see their point, but the fact is, like a lot of businesses, uh, especially more lucrative businesses, you know, the uh, revenues for the owners have not been what they've been accustomed to in the past. Now, that doesn't mean that you know that suddenly you're going to see a bunch of teams folding up tents and going bankrupt uh, the way we've seen with some other businesses uh, and affected by COVID-19. But you do see owners essentially uh, using that as a premise to ask for changes, um, you know, and that doesn't only extend to the players. A whole bunch of people have been laid off in the sport. Sometimes some of the cuts that the owners have done internally have seemed really kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> like last year, the Oakland Athletics cut their minor leaguer salaries or moved to cut their minor leaguer salaries from 400 to $300 a week, which feels like a kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's kind of where the owners are in this thing, and there's no question that their revenue streams are less than they were before for the, the COVID 19, because there are no fans in the stands.
0: I want to get to the Red Sox, Buster. I, I think there's a lot of different ways this team can go, right? They have money available. They certainly could spend at the deep end of the pool if they wanted to. But Heim Bloom, in my mind, seems to be taking more of a uh, maybe not a quite a long game approach, but a looking through a longer lens. Where do you think philosophically the Red Sox are right now?
3: Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, which is why I thought it was important that he brought that Heim uh, brought back Alex Cora because if he had had a rookie manager, Sam Fold, in the dugout uh, this year, and what you know it's probably uh, the Red Sox are not expected to be uh, necessarily one of the best teams in the American League East. And it, after the struggles of last year, if the Red Sox had another bad year, I not only fans but you wonder how Red Sox ownership would feel about it bring back Alex Cora it buys you a couple of years um, to put your system in place i do think that at the end of it they're going to be in a better spot the the question is it's like a it's like watching mission impossible with a race against time you know will heim bloom get the franchise turned back in, in terms of the depth that he's looking for before the ownership begins to get concerned about the red Sox not competing
0: do you think there's any kind of power struggle waiting down the line between Cora and Bloom just in the sense that Cora has a lot of supporters in that building and he's a guy who wants to win could there be a power a power struggle there where Cora isn't on board with Heim's philosophy
3: no, I don't think so. Um, I, I, I think, first off, I know Alex well enough, having worked with him at ESPN, um, that he's someone who is very open-minded to to new-age analytics. It's not like he's an old-school manager who uh, is having stuff shoved down his throat. Um, so I, I think that he'll work, wind up working well with Haim. The one thing I would say is that I think Alex, because of the, the, his history with the team, playing uh, under Terry Francona there, the championship in 2018, I think he probably has more in the bank uh, with uh, Red Sox ownership than Haim does. So it's going to be important to see signs of progress for the Red Sox at the end of 2021 or at early in 2022.
0: You know, I think that, that Bloom is right to take this longer lens, appro- longer lens approach. I don't think this team is, is um, at the upper echelon of the American League right now. How good is Toronto? Because I, I think Red Sox fans just assume they're only battling it out with the Yankees and the Rays. I think Toronto is really coming fast.
3: Yeah, and let's see. You know, the Rays seem to find a way to stay competitive no matter what they do, but they have taken a step back, uh, trading Blake Snell this winter. You know, Charlie Morton departs as a free agent. Toronto right now is the biggest threat to the Yankees, especially at a time when the Yankees aren't doing a lot. Uh, the Blue Jays have this great young core of players. Uh, you know, Bo Bichette and Kevin Biggio and Vlad Guerrero Jr. and Nate Pearson, the you know, hard throwing, uh, young right hander. And when you talk to agents, uh, you talk to other teams and you ask them, okay, who actually in a winner, which very few teams are spending money, actually being aggressive, and the Blue Jays are always named. And I don't know if the Blue Jays are going to wind up with, uh, you know, DJ LeMayhew or Trevor Bauer uh, or, or somebody. I would bet that they're going to wind up with JT Real Muto, uh, the, you know, the best catcher in baseball. They're going to get better. They're going to land one of the premier guys.
0: Buster Olney, ESPN with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, WDEV, AM and FM and WDEV Radio Dot com uh the pitching staff for the red sox i think is still the biggest question i don't know what they're doing in the bullpen and we don't know we don't know what erod's going to look like coming back from covid complications we don't know when we're going to see chris sale again uh, i'm in favor of the red sox just buying low on everybody this offseason i mean what, what's the market for like a Corey kluber how cheap you know when i say buy low is he a guy you can really get for four million dollars
3: yeah, and I had a general manager say to me, yeah, Corey Kluber's going to wind up with the Red Sox or the Yankees. <laughs> mm. um, he's going to throw for scouts sometime in the middle of January. Uh, he's coming back from an injury. He's going to be on a, a, you know, essentially on a make good type deal one year to reestablish himself that it, that he's healthy. It, that would absolutely make sense. A- and look, uh, $4 million for a guy who won the Cy Young Award a couple times, Brady, sounds small, Yeah, but in the current market this winter... that's actually uh, probably a decent deal where you give him four million dollars in a base salary you give him some incentive clauses he reproves himself and then sets himself up for free agency in the fall it wouldn't surprise me if that's what happened because of his new england roots
0: just where we are right now with the Red Sox, I was so despondent the other day. I I don't remember his name, but there was a Korean second baseman who just signed with the Padres for four years, $28 It's supposed to be very, very good. And he chose the Padres over the Red Sox. Is this where the Red Sox are at right now, that the Padres are a better destination than them?
3: Well, I mentioned, uh, and the player's name is Ha-Seong Kim, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, you know, I mentioned that There are very few teams that are actually being aggressive in the marketplace. The Mets are clearly going to be one. I think they'll wind up with George Springer. The Blue Jays are another, and the Padres uh, seem especially motivated. You know, they took a big step forward. They got to catch the Dodgers, so their ownership is invested. The fact is, is that probably twenty six of the thirty teams, including the Yankees, including the Red Sox, really seem to be laying back. And um, you know, I don't think anybody can who's a baseball owner can say, yeah, our, our industry is in trouble because the franchise values are so high. If the Red Sox ownership wanted to put the Red Sox out on the marketplace, there'd be somebody out there probably wanting to buy it for 3 or $4 billion. But there's no question that the revenues were affected by last year. And as we sit here today, and as I mentioned, the, you know, the news about the, the how widely spread the vaccine is going to be is not good right now. If you're an owner, you're concerned. And the Red Sox are not alone apparently in that with all these teams basically holding their uh, you know, their pocketbooks shut and waiting to get better information about where we're gonna be with the coronavirus.
0: Buster, I want to get you out of here on this, uh, on the Lake Monsters. We know now that the Lake Monsters did lose their major league affiliation. <coughs> excuse me. So they will not be a, a professional minor league team next year they've said there's going to be baseball at Centennial Field it's going to be professional baseball probably in an independent league are you somebody that thinks that the professional affiliation matters a lot or does it just matter that there's baseball
3: and it's an interesting question i do think if you are in a competitive uh, sports market, and I'm just going to mention Nashville, okay? Because I live there and I know that marketplace. They've got the Titans. Uh, you know, they've got the Predators. They've got a lot of alternatives. Uh, you know, University of Tennessee football, Vanderbilt football. Um, And I I think for a place like that, it is important to have a major league affiliate so that if you're a casual baseball fan and you say, you know what, I want to go watch this, uh, you know, this player who I might see in the big leagues down the road, I've, always felt that the greater lure in Burlington is just professional baseball itself. And that people like the idea in a beautiful summer evening in Burlington of getting out to the ballpark, the sounds and the smells. I do think, you know, their, their, fans certainly can look back and say, Hey, Ken Griffey Jr. and others who came through Burlington, you know, that was a lot of fun and it was exciting to go watch those guys. I don't think for the lake monsters is quite as important, but you know, I, I'm just guessing there. I, I, I thought all along Major League Baseball's plan to reduce their minor leagues uh, by 40 teams. It, it, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people in the game who absolutely believe that
0: as well. Buster Olney of ESPN. Uh, buster we appreciate you being with us randolph center native always keep keep dropping the vermont references when you're out on other stations and on tv and uh we wish you a safe and happy new year and we will definitely bring you on again all right brady that sounds great good to talk with you good to talk with you as well buster only of espn and uh always enjoy talking with buster it's my first time here at wdev a lot to react to we're gonna what we're gonna do guys i'm motion to the staff here. We're going to have to cut that up here after the show into a lot of different pieces. And what we'll do, we'll start the show tomorrow reacting to the Buster Olney interview because uh, I mean Buster talks about missing anywhere between 40 and 100 games of next season. And really, I get it from all sides. I, my first reaction is I get where everybody is coming from. But for the overall health of the sport, let's figure this thing out because this is absurd. Absolutely absurd absurd. I mean ridiculous. All right, look, I was supposed to have taken a commercial break like 6 minutes ago. I wanted to keep going with Buster, so guys, let's just combine the commercial breaks and uh make one longer one here at the end of the show and we'll just kind of run up here until the top of the hour. So Buster is Buster is great. Um we don't usually do two interviews in a day. We never do two interviews in a day, but Bob Sosie Buster only we absolutely had to make an exception. Freddie Coleman is going to stop by tomorrow as he always does in our podcast channel. You know, subscribe to it. I always tell you that, right? Subscribe to the podcast channel. You get the full show, but you also get extra interviews um, and extra content that we do there. We're going to have an interview with Elisa Kresge going up probably tomorrow, who's the UVM women's basketball coach as they sit at four and two right now. Zubin Mahente, who's a sports center anchor and an ESPN radio host, does the morning show with Jay Williams and Keyshawn Johnson going to speak to him at some point this week and kind of get his reaction to uh, the Patriots as well as college football. He's a big college football guy as we head towards the National Championship. So um, that's going to be on there later this week. I'm not quite sure which day yet we're ironing out everything. So um, stuff to do. Stuff to, stuff to listen to and find on the Brady Farkas Show podcast app. So Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. So uh, what we will do, we will start the show tomorrow reacting to Buster. Stuff on the Red Sox. 40 to 100 games missed he think we might he thinks we might get this upcoming season. Spring training may not start on time would be absolutely devastating to me and so many baseball fans. Good take on the lake good stuff on the lake monsters as well. Does it matter to you if they're if they're major league affiliated? It's always mattered to me, but everybody seems to tell me that I'm crazy. now that we've got the text line, I can pose that question as well tomorrow. So the show is sponsored by the all-new Preston's Kia in Montpelier, home of lifetime oil changes and state inspections. Preston's Kia, family-owned and operated, and they will do whatever it takes to earn and keep your business. We'll take that break now. So, uh, crew, great job. Show will be up here in a little while. Morning news service tomorrow with Lee and Rick and the gang, and then Vermont Viewpoint, and uh, we, you know, we got uh, midday news service. Greg Hooker, then. Me in the afternoon, then me with the sports show. Tonight, Dinner Jazz with John Wilson. That comes up next. Then it's ESPN Radio. Freddie and Fitzsimmons and Freddie Coleman with us again tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. You've been listening to The Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. And don't forget, don't forget, it's free. Download the WDEV radio app. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, right here on The Friendly Pioneer.
1: Being informed has never been more important.